We are in this sermon series entitled Bridge of Hope, and uh, it's been a message series that we've done for two weeks now, and this is the third week. We'll be uh, carrying on next week, uh, the Bridge of Hope series, and ending next week. And looking forward to the camping trip over at Carter Caves. It's going to be an awesome time for the church, and just so many people go over there, and we get to hang out, and it's uh, just fun getting to see the kids have fun, and and all of us join together and uh, just fellowship. And uh, I rate a lot of your uh, campsites because some of you cook donuts over the campfire. There's other people that's cooking food in crock pots. I'll go over and try that out. So I'm not into a lot of activities. I'm into a lot of laziness during camping. So if you see me just sitting around, know that's my normal. And uh, if I don't come and see you, please come and see me. That would be even better because then I won't have to walk to you. Uh, that was a good thing about Beth uh, last year. She would bring me food over that she had cooked, and because I was too lazy to walk to her camp a few blocks away, uh, she would bring to me, and that was pretty awesome. It was a good camping experience for me. But we do want you to come over and have a blessed time. Even if you're not camping, uh, you can come over through the day and enjoy time, uh, bring your kids, bring their bicycles, have a good time. Uh, there's no agenda, so that's the best part about our camping trips that I really like. That way everybody gets to do what you want to do. That's the best camping ever. Amen. Uh, you get to make an agenda by yourself, and you can maybe meet the camp neighbors next to you and invite them to come. We have had people to come to our church service at the campground uh, several of the years that will just be camping from out of town. They'll be there camping, and they'll walk over during our church service and sit there and listen. And we never know when we get the opportunity to share Christ with somebody that may not get to hear about him other than that opportunity. And so make sure and be friendly at the campground. Don't let the Bridge Church be known as a bunch of fuddy-duddies. Amen. Amen. Joe Don, amen me. <laughs> Look to your neighbor and say, I'm tired of you being a fuddy-duddy. <laughs> Quit being a fuddy-duddy. Uh-oh, I kicked down God's team. God's team's got to win. Okay, um, jumping into the sermon. Uh, so I wanted to say that, make sure that we need to be friendly, need to be godly people, and uplift God's kingdom on this earth because we never know the opportunities that God's given us until we open up our eyes to see it. Um, Bridge of Hope has been a message series that we're using to try to uh, tag on this tagline, Bridge of Hope, that we've heard about before. And if you Google Bridge of Hope on uh, your internet, you can go to Google or whatever, being any of those search engines, and type in Bridge of Hope, and you'll see a lot of different things comes up under the title Bridge of Hope. It's uh, There's some things on there about drug rehab, about uh, a lot of people use that, uh, that uh, term, Bridge of Hope, to uh, name their um, rehab clinics and different things for people that's addicted to drugs and having a hard time battling uh, addictions. And it is a Bridge of Hope, and we need that. Amen? We need to encourage that. And I'm thankful that God allows Bridge of Hope to be more than just what I want it to be. Amen? God can use Bridge of Hope for that uh, arena. He Also, I've seen that Bridge of Hope is used for... Uh, for uh, groups of uh, minorities that they use it as Bridge of Hope, that they use this tagline as something that they are bridging for a hope of a better tomorrow than their today or their yesterday. And looking through all those, I've seen all kinds of things about Bridge of Hope, and uh, some of it don't align with what I'm trying to do in this sermon series, and that's okay. Amen? Amen? Amen. How many knows God's kingdom is bigger than me? Amen. Amen? And it's bigger than you. Let him do his work, and whoever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. Amen? Not my will, but yours be done. So as we're looking at this sermon series, we're trying to go across this bridge of hope, but we're tagging it along with that we're seeing, and hopefully last week that you was here, if you wasn't, go back and listen to it online or watch uh, on the Facebook Live feed from last week, about a bridge of hope that we're, that we're adding planks to this bridge, and those planks are made of faith, that we walk by faith and not by sight. Because there's situations that happens in our life when we can't see where we're going and we don't know where we're going and God hasn't given us clear direction yet that we're struggling to get through a situation. Keep adding faith in front of you and walk on that and you will get through the storm that you're in. Can somebody say amen? amen. A bridge of hope will get you across your problems. It will get you out of your situations because hope is where we're heading. Amen. Hope is what we wish for, but often our wishes are not with God's plan for our life. So to see hope 
become a reality, we must add faith to the situation at hand. And I've talked about the last couple of weeks how that my first sermon was on faith and how that uh, I believe that faith is not believing that God can, but that God will. Amen. That he will conquer the devil and the enemy of my soul, and he already has. Amen. Amen? When Jesus hung on the cross, it ended the dominion of the devil on this earth. Amen? You need to believe that. That it ended his dominion. Up to that point, the devil had, he would go to and fro and he would look for those that he would try to oppress. Look in the story of Job. Look where that the devil would be able to do things. But in the New Testament, in this way of life that we're living today, and I'm not saying the devil's not here because he is. Somebody say amen. He may be sitting next to you. You don't know. Amen. Uh-oh. Not, not my poor little brother. Don't you know he's the wonder son? Anne's back there pointing at Howie. My mom will flog you. You better be careful. I picked on him before. I got in trouble. Don't pick on Howie ever. Y'all, she's old. Yeah, yeah. She copied off of him in school. That's what he says. Um, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith. It's the, uh, a portion of scripture that I look to and I love because it's one of my favorites in scripture. My favorite text is Hebrews 11, 6. But Hebrews 11, verse 1, going through verse 6, is a portion of Scripture, and actually all of chapter 11, is about faith and how different people uh, conquer different situations in their life through faith. It will say, through faith, so-and-so did this, or by faith, so-and-so did this. So we need to have faith in our life. Our faith is our trust in Jesus. Amen? How many trust Jesus for whatever you're facing today? If you don't, you should. Put your hope in him because you will rest assured knowing that he will bring to pass whatsoever things he desires in your life. He can accomplish things you cannot. He can do the impossible. So as I'm thinking about this bridge of hope, I, I know there's a, several places that hope is mentioned in the Bible and that's the verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It's, it's what we hope for, and faith is the evidence of those things. So hope is listed all throughout Scripture. God is a God of hope. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is another place that I want to look at because this is a place that talks about hope. And when you hear Christianese, uh, Christians quote Scripture, they'll quote, a scripture about a topic that you may say the word hope, and they'll know these verses that we talked about. And like last week I said, hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? We know there's verses in the Bible that talks about hope. So if we're going to talk about hope, I think we have to use this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, but it applies to us as well. Verse 12, I want to start there. But tell me this, Paul is saying to that church, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has neither raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And if we apostles would all be lying about God, for if we have said that God raised Christ from the grave, but that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all have died believing in Christ are lost. He's painting a pretty gruesome picture here. That if we don't believe in the resurrection of the dead in an afterlife, our hope in Christ is null and void. Because Jesus raised from the dead. Amen. We teach that every Easter, right? That Christ raised from the dead. He was on a cross. They punctured his side. They put him in a tomb. And three days later, they went back and looked. And he wasn't there. Amen. Everybody say, Jesus raised from the dead. I believe in it. Amen. There is a resurrection. Paul is trying to point the church. Because there was people coming into the church putting their opinions about what they thought. Versing what actually happened. 
If we're going to accept Christ in our life, we have to accept it in our total being, not just in the portions we desire Him to see. Amen? Verse 18, in that case, all who died and believed in Christ are lost. That would be sad. Amen? Been listening a lot lately to the Catholic uh, radio on because I like looking at a lot of different perspectives of things, and sometimes to get outside of our perspective, we've got to listen to something different than what we're used to. Amen? We become so close-minded. We really become no earthly good because we're so close-minded that we can only see things from our perspective. Be a good place for an amen. I know I'm, I'm, I'm walking on a little portion here that we don't like to touch much, but it's going to be okay. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor Ben. Man, I don't know if I'm going to feel it. I know where I'm going here. I, I've got my notes. I know where I'm heading. And if I'm not getting amens on that, I'm getting scared already. It's, it's, going, to get, it's going to get real up in here in a minute. Amen. I have to hope that those who die in Christ are in heaven. If I don't believe in resurrection, it's a sad existence. Amen. Verse 19 is the verse about hope that I want you to mark in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we're more to be pitied than anyone in the world, it says in the New King James. The King James says we are men most miserable. If all our hope is in Christ is just for what we're living now, and there is no afterlife, it's a miserable state of existence that there is no hope of eternal things. We need an eternal perspective in our life. Amen. We need to believe that I've got a hope of someday obtaining heaven because I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I've given up on my old ways, and I'm transitioning and transforming into a new way of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Behold, old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. We are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. We are changing because He is changing us. If we're not changing, we need to test the waters of what we're stopping in. Amen. We are not perfected in an instant in this life. Yes, you accept Him to be your Lord. Yes, you accept Him to be your Savior. But you are not perfected in an instant that you will never sin again. Amen. We are still sinning, not willingly, sometimes not even knowingly. Amen. Sins of omission, we know, right, that we can sometimes sin not even understanding that we're sinning against God. Be careful in what we're doing. So if our hope in Christ is just in this world alone, we're men most miserable. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want you to be miserable. Now, not everybody did it, so you must be sitting beside somebody's miserable and you're afraid to say it to them because it's going to bring misery on you. Everybody say, misery loves company. Amen. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around. Misery loves company. If you don't believe me, get around somebody in the molly grubs. Well, poor, pitiful me. You know. Surely you've attended one of them church services where they stand up every week. Well, the devil just kicked me in the teeth all week, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it, and I just barely got here, and he's stealing everything I have. And just Is there no joy in the house of God? Amen. There should be some happy folks around up in here. Amen. We're on God's team. If them kids can stand in here and jump up and down and say, I'm on God's team, it's a winning team. Amen. We're winners. I don't want to be miserable. So i got to believe in eternity. And it brings joy to my face. Amen? Our frown should be turned upside down when we think about heaven. Amen? I was sitting over here before church started talking to Rick a few minutes ago, and he was telling me some things, and he was talking about eternity. And, and sometimes it's hard to get a grasp on what eternity is. I enjoy it because I mention it sometimes, and, and he goes on, and he don't just let it just... Go one in or air and out the other. He ponders on things. So Rick was telling me that he had been talking to the guy that come work on his furnace at a house here. And the guy told him, said, you know, like eternity, his pastor had told this uh, guy working on the furnace that eternity would be like an ant crawling around the earth 
Everybody say, that'd be a long journey. <laughs> and wearing a groove in it that he had walked around that path so many times. That's what eternity is. You cannot fathom eternity. It'd take an ant a long time to go one trip around, but imagine him going so many trips that he wore a groove in the surface of the earth. It's crazy to think about eternity and how long it is and how perfect it is and how great it is. If you've got loved ones that went there, and I know we all do because God is well able, amen, to save even the most miserable, amen. There are loved ones of ours in heaven rejoicing with Christ today. We have to believe that. And when we believe that, that should bring a joy to our heart knowing that Jesus is taking care of them. Amen. Eternity is real. Let's not be miserable as a church. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is first and the greatest, great harvest of all who have died. You see then, just as death came in the world through one man, now the resurrection of the dead began through another man. Just as when everyone dies, we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. So Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, and it transitioned to everybody. Christ come into the world to shift that, to rearrange that, to change that. And now this one new man, Christ Jesus, has transformed all believers from death to life. Amen. And if you've experienced that, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you know this life that I'm talking about. You can understand the weight that's shifted off your shoulders, the freedom that is in Jesus. That is, uh, you, can't, you can't even explain how good he's been to you. Amen. Just knowing I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, how much should that give us joy in our heart? It should overflow. Amen. It should be, I can't even explain how good he is. I can try to talk about him. And I can try to brag on him. And tears should flow down my face knowing Jesus has set me free from my sin. And I get to go to heaven instead of hell. Amen. Yeah. Amen. How good is that? But I've been in this thing long enough. This thing called Christianity. And I'm not an old-timer. I'm a new-timer compared to a lot of you that's in this room. But I've been in it long enough to know and see that some Christians come in, they'll take up the Word of God, they will dig in, they will begin to apply it to their life, and they will begin to transition and change and morph into a whole new-looking creature in Christ. And there's some people that come into Christianity, accept Jesus as their Lord, and then say, I want to keep everything I used to do, and I'm going to do it my way. Was you miserable in your sin? I ask you a question. Was you miserable in your sin? I was. I was a pitiful human, and I was miserable every night. By the time I'd lived through the day and I laid down at night, I knew from being raised in church that I was going to split hell wide open if I didn't change my ways. Amen? And it caused me to be miserable. Why would I want to bring that into this new life that Jesus has given me? So this is the deep waters that we're going into now. Matthew 22. I want to talk about something, and this is not a going to be easy. This is not going to be easy for me. Sometimes you've got to preach about things you don't want to preach about. Amen. Amen. And if you don't, you better check what you're preaching about. Amen? Amen. Matthew 22, verse 23. Chapter 22, verse 23. The same day the Sadducees, everybody say they were sad. You see. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good name for a group of people. Sad, you see. Sad, you see. Yeah, yeah, they see everything sad. Okay. Um, who say there is no resurrection. Sounds like Paul talking in Corinthians 
Actually, Jesus experienced these things. So the same day the Sadducees, who say there's no resurrection, came to him, saying Jesus, came to Jesus, and asked him, Jesus, verse 24, they said, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies and has no children, his brother shall marry his wife, and they'll raise up offspring for his brother. And they're giving this scenario. They're giving this little hypothetical here. I like hypotheticals, right? It's a good way of putting painting pictures, a picture for a thousand words. They're painting a picture for him, trying to trick Jesus, what they're trying to do. Now there were with us seven brothers. The first died, and he had married, having no offspring, let his wife, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, the third, and the seventh, all the way up to the seventh. Last of all, the woman dies also. Therefore, in the resurrection, they don't even believe in a resurrection, but they're putting these hypotheticals in there. Therefore, in the resurrection, they're trying to trick Jesus because Jesus believes in the resurrection. He'd come from there. He'd come from heaven to earth. He'd already been there and seen the afterlife. He knew, it, he knew it's real. He, they weren't going to trick him up. Amen. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife is the seven, of the seven shall she be? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken. You are mistaken. I wonder how many in the church today are mistaken. You see, sometimes whenever I listen to the Catholic radio, I can go into that thinking, well, I'm going to listen to this Catholic radio station, and I'm going to listen to everything on it, and everything they say is going to be fallacy, and they're all wrong. All the Catholics are wrong. Only my way is right. That's how a lot of Christians are. My denomination is the only one. We're the only one going to heaven. Amen. Just the bridge people out of all this county, all them other 70 churches, they're not allowed to go, just us. How crazy is that? Amen. We love all of them. So as I listen to these Catholic radio stations, I've got to open up my mind to say I want to listen to what they're saying because sometimes if I'm challenged by what they're saying because they've got some truth that maybe I believe a lie. Amen. So unless I listen, I'll never hear. Catholics have some good things to say, I can assure you. I've listened to them for about a month now. And some of those teachers are bringing across points that I'd never thought of before. And if I'm not open-minded open enough to listen, I'm never going to hear it. These Sadducee people had their mind made up when they come to Jesus asking him a question. They was looking for an answer trying to trip him to prove their point when they were the ones wrong. How would you like to get to heaven and Jesus say you were mistaken? I'd rather hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I don't want to hear you are mistaken. That's what they heard from Jesus. You are mistaken. Does anybody like being wrong? Well, maybe you've never been wrong. Everybody's sitting there like, well, I've never been wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what that feels like. Yeah, very, very seldom, you know. You are mistaken. Not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God, Jesus says. These were the religious leaders of their day and time, and Jesus is telling They knew scripture. They knew the word of God, but they didn't know the truth about what it was teaching. It was their spin on it. Amen. If you take the scripture out of context, twist it, morph it into what you want it to be, you can make it say anything you want to say. Dusty proved that to us a few months ago. You are mistaken. I love it that Jesus tells them that. Because Jesus will get up in your grill. Amen. And if he isn't challenging you, you better ask him to start challenging you. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor given marriage, but are like, are like angels of God in heaven. Verse 31, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read by what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Amen. Those that have perished and went on before us, they're not dead. They're living. Amen. In heaven with Jesus forever. They're alive. They're not alive on this planet, but they're alive in eternity. Amen. 
That should bring joy to our heart, knowing they are not suffering. There is no tears of sorrow. There is no pain. There is no anguish. It's the land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. It's the greatest place we shall ever know. Heaven will be that. That's where they're at. God is not the dead. He is the God of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. You ever been astonished at God's teaching about something? They were astonished. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, that's sad, you see, Jesus put them in their place. So when one group gets done with you, guess what the next group's going to do? <coughs> Same old thing. And how many knows God will use his teaching to combat religious philosophies that are vain according to the word of God. Amen. Amen? He will use his scriptures to combat false teaching. He did it. Jesus did it. The devil tried to get him to jump off of a high building. Jesus said, it is written. Know the word of God. See if it won't transform your life. So the Pharisees heard that he signed Sadducees, and they thought, well, we'll go get him. Sick him, boy. Yeah, right? One of you lose, the other one go. It's like tag team. Anybody remember WWF tag team? Amen. Just one of you get beat, just tag the, another one jump in there. Yeah, go get him. Oh, I ain't going to get uh, JR started here today. He's, he's the, we done that wrestling thing a while back. We're not going to go back there. Amen. Kids will come running in here. Then one of them, a lawyer. Everybody say they're pretty good talkers. Hope there's no lawyers in here. We love you if you are. Amen. Have to have you to write up some deeds and do some things. Amen. We've got to have lawyers. I love lawyers too. Amen. Ask a question testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment? In the law. So the Sadducees couldn't trick him with their question. Now the Pharisees come. They're trying to question Jesus again. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Because they want to say, because there are 613 in the Old Testament commandments, and they're wanting to trick him to say, well, he's just cherry-picking and wants to pick one. Which one of these is the best law, Jesus? Jesus said to them, everybody say, he's got an answer. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. And while the Pharisees gathered together, Jesus asked them. Uh-oh, here's the turning of the tide. Amen. He just answered everything they had had to say and all the trickery they had tried to do. Now he's going to ask them a question. This is where he's getting up in your grill. What do you think about Christ? Jesus the Christ is standing for a group of people that's challenging him, and he's asking them, what do you think about Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him with a word. Nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. I'm ready for Jesus to shut some things up. Amen. I'm ready for him to squelch religious, religious ideologies. And I'm ready for him to allow us to see from a new perspective in this place. Sadducees were members of a Jewish sect or party of the time of Jesus Christ that denied the resurrection of the dead, the existence of spirits, and the obligation of oral tradition, emphasizing acceptance of only the written law alone. So the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in spirits. They didn't believe in any of these things. Actually, didn't even believe in angels. Bringing your own philosophy into your Christianity will not work. I love this kind of preaching, don't you? Ain't this good, amen? It actually voids out your acceptance of Christ as Lord. So if you bring your own philosophy and what you think and your own way of reasoning into your Christianity 
and you won't allow God to transform a new mind in you that it talks about in Romans chapter 12. Philippians says, let the mind of Christ be in you. So sometimes Jesus challenges us, and if he doesn't, I don't know if we're really thinking about the right Jesus. Jesus was a very confrontational person. How many believes that? You think they looked at him as a hero when he went over and turned over the money tables, turned their pigeons loose? Was they all cheering Jesus on like, yeah, I couldn't wait for him to get here. He was popular. A crowd would come, but they would walk away sorrowful at times because they would not give up for their way of thinking to accept what he told them. The rich young ruler was a perfect picture of that. I want to think about things differently. So I tried to put myself in this position to think, sometimes, Jesus, am I bringing my thoughts and opinions into my Christianity, and am I presenting them as the truth when actually they may not be the truth? And I've thought about this. I've thought about this for several weeks now. And I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to go into a hypothetical. Everybody knows what hypothetical is, right? I'm trying to paint a picture with some words here so that you can see what I'm talking about. And it scares me to even say this hypothetical because I'm afraid that some of you might get up and walk out. I'm serious. So just stick with me and think a little bit differently for just a second. The kids are going to come in here. We're going to have a good time in a minute. So this is a hypothetical thing. Everybody understand, I'm not pulling this out of Scripture and saying this is what I'm saying scripturally. I'm saying a hypothetical to get you to think differently. Okay? This is yes, this is no. Pastor Ben's going to go there, whether you want to or not. It's going to be okay. So hypothetically, now we all understand. I've set my stage. I've got everything set up now that I should be able to talk and everybody not blow off and walk out. What if Jesus showed up at your house would you accept him and let him come in or not? If Jesus himself, whenever we leave here, you go home, and he walked up and knocked on the door, would you let him in? Yes, I hope you would. Everybody should. Everybody say, this, remember, this is yes, this is no. It's, it, okay, good, good. Yes, yes, we let him in. So whenever you let him in, let's hypothetically say that, it's not even time yet, but let's say there's a Bengals game today, okay? It's not, I just picked the one that's closest to us. The Bengals is closest to us. I'm not a Bengals fan. I don't even know anything about football. I got to do a hypothetical. So I'm talking about stuff I don't even know about. So hypothetically, there's a Bengals game. Is there any Bengals fan in the room? Everybody's scared to raise their hand. I, this is all about sports, okay? We're okay. We're on good ground here. But Rick thought these were pumpkins, but they were basketballs. Rick, he had to line him out a while ago. So, so. Let's say that there's a Bengals game, and, and, and hypothetically, you got tickets. You had already had tickets. You had bought a bunch of tickets, and you had one friend that backed out, and you had this extra ticket. Okay? You follow me? Everybody know where I'm at? So you got an extra ticket. So you and your wife, and you got an extra ticket, and Jesus shows up. You didn't even know he's coming by, and he knocked on the door, and you're getting ready to go. So you're like, hey, Jesus, it'd uh, be kind of cool if you'd go to the game with me, right? You think you'd go? What? Why would he come to your house if he didn't want to hang out? He wants to hang out, man. He wants to hang out with you. It's not about where you're at. He wants to hang out with you. Amen. I think Jesus will go with you. So hypothetically, Joe Don, I'm saying Jesus is going with you. He will. He'll, he'll go with you. So you say, hey, Jesus, I know you come by and everything, and I know you just stalked on the door, and I'd love to hang out, but I got Bengals tickets, but I got an extra one. You can go with me. 
This is awesome. This is leading up, right? So you get Jesus in the car, and you take off down the road and drive a while. You get down there, and all the big hoopla, walking into the game, and just the splendor of the atmosphere, and, you know, everything going on. Like, this is really awesome. Then you're really proud that you're there, that you've got Jesus as your guest. Amen. So everybody in the crowd all the way around you, you start introducing him. Hey, hey, there's Jesus over here. He come with me. He rode my car down here. I brought him. You're like proud that he's your Jesus, right? He's like your personal Jesus. This is my Jesus. He, he come with me. And you start introducing him to everybody around you, and it, you're sitting there in your section, and everything's leading up the game. And if you've ever been to one, you know how this is. And I went to a Lions game before up in Detroit because I got free tickets, and free is good. Amen. And I even got the ones in the booth one time. That was awesome, getting up in the booth, and it, it was really cool. Had eight seats, leather, recliners. It was killer, man. We, we, we lived a good day that day. Free game. So, so you're there, Jesus, and you're starting introducing him to everybody around you and everybody in your section. They're like, well, that's really cool. Jesus is here. He, he's like God and stuff, man. That's really awesome. This guy brought him with him. And you're there, and then, then right before the game started and all the hype was happening and players were entering the field and you've been there, you know, chest out, and they start, and they start ramping up the crowd and all this, and you're like, woo, yeah, everybody's screaming and hollering like the kids are going to do in a minute. It's going to be okay. I know we're in church, but the kids are allowed to jump. Then right before the game started, all the hype was happening, players in the field, music blaring, the speakers and everyone, uh, is, their adrenaline's just pumping. Everybody gets pumped up. If you've ever been to a game of any kind of sporting fit like that, and I, I've never been more pumped up than I was at a girls' uh, basketball game a few years ago in Garrison Elementary when the girls' teams, man, they was going at it head to head. And, I mean, it was back and forth, and it was one point to the next point, and they was switching from winning to losing ever, ever up and down the court. And these girls were on fire, and it was crazy. And I mean, it felt like I felt more energy there than I did in the Lions Stadium at that time. It was awesome. You know what I'm talking about, adrenaline flowing. Amen. We don't have kids, but I root everybody else's kids on. <laughs> then next thing you know, the game's getting ready to start, and they start playing the national anthem. Jesus, you put him in that seat right in front of you, and you've introduced him to everybody, and this is my friend. And when the anthem starts playing, and you look, and everybody stands up and does the anthem, right? This is what you do for the anthem. Next thing you know, you look down, and Jesus is in front of you kneeling. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Either way. Either way. So as he's doing this, think about this. Think, this is the challenge I'm talking about, how God should challenge you. That what you believe and your opinion... What if it don't align with what he says? What are you going to do in that situation? Are you going to kneel with him because he's your Lord and he says, this is what I want you to do? Or are you going to say, no, I'm going to do it my way? That's not easy. That would be very hard, wouldn't it, Ernie? Ernie served in the military, and that would be a hard situation to be in. Allow Jesus to challenge you even to those levels. And I'm not telling you that Jesus would take a knee. <laughs> I'm not saying this is hypothetical. But the hypothetical paints a picture of what the Pharisees and Sadducees were enduring about their religion and what they thought and what Jesus was saying and telling them to do. Wow. You mean God can get up in my grill even to that level? Yes, he can if you will let him. I will tell you that he wants to get up in your grill and challenge your opinion and your philosophy and everything you think about life. He wants his word to be true and engrafted in here. And I'm not telling anybody in this room to go out and take a knee because you're going to get beat up. Amen. But I don't think Christians should be beating them up. That's my opinion. Amen? Amen. 
because I'm about the kingdom of God more than I am the kingdom of this earth. And I love America, and my grandpa fought and bled and got purple hearts. Mom's got them in her house. I know what America is. I know as much about history as probably anybody in my family. And mom don't like it when I start talking about history. So I'm not going to go there today. I understand. I know. But I'm telling you, Jesus should even challenge your nationality. He has to be first. Amen. That's not easy. Because I believe that Jesus loves the people in Iraq and in China and in Russia and in Germany and all these nations that our missionaries are going to. He loves them just as much as he does me, an old good American. Amen. Amen. We have to allow him to challenge us. So as you see this happen in this hypothetical situation and Jesus is there, and now all of a sudden you don't know whether to be ashamed of him or you don't know whether to get on your knee with him. Then all of a sudden, everybody in the crowd, they start throwing stuff, their drinks, their popcorn, their caramel apples, everything they got, they start throwing it at him, right? And then all of a sudden, what are you going to do? In these situations, these kind of things, scenarios happen, and then what? Am I going to be proud of Jesus? Or am I going to deny him and say, well, yeah, he come with me, but he's a loser. Look at him. That's what happens in our life when we have to stand up for Jesus on our job, isn't it, Jodon? Even when it's not popular, even when it's not fun. Right, Cody? It's not easy in those instances to say, yes, I still serve him even though he combats culturalism that I'm grafted in, that I'm surrounded by. When it even seems like, wow, Jesus is outside the norm, I still have to stand with him and not myself. Amen. My grandma told me in my second sermon I ever preached in my life and she was, had cancer for some time and had lung cancer and had been battling for a long time and my grandma was really, really sick. I had no idea. And the church I grew up in, the Hilltop Tabernacle out there on Kenny right across Miami and Earl's Place and Harold Killen was the pastor there then and I'd been up in Raceland and living up in Raceland and, and somehow word got back that that little boy that used to come to your church, he's preaching now. And I'd preached one sermon in a youth group before this. So Brother Harold gets a hold of me and says, won't you come to Hilltop and preach? I'm like, well, yeah, I, used to, I grew up there. There's about 10, 15 people. That shouldn't be too hard. If I can preach to 50 kids, I can surely preach to 15 adults. So I do that and I accept the invitation and next thing you know I'm driving to work and, and I'm, I'm heading down the double A here one day and I put it on KKS and I'm listening and they start announcing on the radio I thought I was going to go hide in the corner <laughs> Amen Ben Collier's coming to Hilltop Tabernacle and we've invited this singing group and it's going to be awesome and I'm thinking what in the world that wasn't what I signed up for so I start worrying about and fretting about what am I going to do? What am I going to say? Jesus, I, I thought I'm called to preach, but I don't know now. And all, all these questions go through my mind. But then once you accept the invitation, you got to go. you got to do your part, right? So I go out there and show up, and the beautiful part was that as my grandmother was facing those battles with cancer, and she had lost all of her hair for the chemo. And she hadn't been to church in a long time. All these people come into that little bitty church. And it won't hold 60 people full. And it was every seat full in that little building. And that singing group got up to sing, and I was sitting there on the front row thinking, man, what am I going to do now? I was a nervous wreck. But I had my notes, and I went by them. And I talked about mountains and valleys, and I talked about how some are the storms of life and how that Christ will get you through and I talked about different things and sometimes you just jump over a little creek and sometimes you got an Ohio River and sometimes you got an ocean in front of you God will get you through that was my message my sick little grandma was sitting on this side about a few rows back and they had a fellowship hall added onto the church and it was over here to the side and Pastor Harold got up and said, you know, we're going to have some appetizers and everything over here. We made a meal and we want you to stay and eat and fellowship. And 
I stand up there and a few people come up and say, good message, good message, you know. It's just been nice, really. But <laughs> My little grandma come walking up that aisle and she looked up at me and she said, uh, Ben, whatever you do, stay open-minded. Ben, whatever you do, stay open-minded. Because she had been around church a long time. And she had seen a lot of things. And she knew this new little grandson, a brand new Christian. I'd only been saved six months at that point. And I was preaching. Six months. Those words haunt me, and I've mentioned them here a lot. Whatever you do, stay open-minded. And that's not easy, being open-minded as a Christian. The church is known as one of the most closed-minded groups in all of society. It's crazy. i got a lot more stuff that I've got wrote down, but I can't go there. It's about the kids today. So my challenge to you today in this room is this. The words of wisdom that my grandmother offered to me, I implore you in this age and day and we're living, be open-minded. And I'm not saying give up on Scripture. I'm not saying that. I'm saying be willing to listen to a Catholic radio station every now and then. I'm saying be willing to listen to the Pentecostal preacher scream and shout on the radio WKKS every now and then. I'm saying it's okay if you go downtown and see Brother Bob and he's sitting down there at the Carter house and you're thinking, well, he goes to a different church than me. Walk over, give him a handshake, give him a hug and tell him Jesus loves him. Yeah, he's Methodist. That's okay. Amen. We have to cross this bridge and leave behind our opinions, our reasoning, our philosophy and transition to a new mind in Christ and that's not easy. bridge of hope God's team will always win God's team has always won So I've got an altar call today of this for the adults here before we bring the kids in. In just a few minutes, they're coming. And it's fixing to get hectic in here. I want you to ask Jesus these two things. Every person here, I want you to ask Jesus these two things. to Ask him to help you transform your mind and your way of thinking. And I want you to ask him this really hard question. Ask him to help you to see that your opinions aren't always right. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, if you will. If you don't know Jesus today, today would be a great opportunity to accept him as your Lord. Begin to follow him, to walk with him, to talk with him. Let him create a new heart in you that loves unconditionally like he does, that transforms your mind, that tears down your opinions and builds up the word of God as truth in your life. Bow your head, close your eyes. Is there anybody here that says today, I need Jesus in my life and I want to accept him to be my true Lord and Savior? If you'll just slip up your hand and say, that's me right now. I want to accept. Amen. 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 Others. Amen. Four, five. Is there others? Anybody else? Amen. Another one. There's six. Anybody else? I want to accept Jesus as Lord of my life. 
thank you so much for raising your hands and all you have to pray is not a specific prayer and you don't have to say a certain set of words all you got to do is open up your heart just like I talked about in the story that you open up your home and say Jesus come on in and I promise you I promise you he wants to abide with you he wants to take up residence in your heart and if you ask him to come in he will walk through that door and you don't have to clean up before you invite him in, let him come just like you are. And he'll help you pick up some of those messes that's laying around inside your house, known as your heart. He'll clean it up with you. He'll help you. He'll teach you. He'll guide you. He desires a relationship with you. And as you accept him, he's there. I promise you he's there. Nobody looking around, all eyes still closed. Are there any Christians in the room that says, Today, Pastor, Jesus is challenging me. And he's telling me to, to change my mind and to quit thinking like I've been thinking. And he's challenging me in this room today. Is there anybody here, a Christian, that'll say, That's me. Amen. Hands, come on now, raise your hands if Jesus is challenging you. Saying, Change your way of thinking. Stop always being right. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Hands everywhere. That's awesome. Father, I thank you for this group of adults and young people. God, I pray today as they've made decisions in this room, whether it is to follow you as their Savior and accept you to be their Lord, and they apply the blood of Christ, the cross of Calvary, and the resurrection from the dead. Lord, as they apply it to their life today, let it be real, God. Transform them, renew them, mold them. Wrap your loving arms around them and guide them in truth. Build relationships with them, Jesus, today so that they know as they walk out of this room, God, that they're walking out with a new lease on life, that there's a freshness and newness, that sin is washed away, that all things are made new. Help them to know and sense the freedom in you. And Lord, for those that have said in this room today as Christians that they need to open up their mind, to be open-minded, to begin to look at the Word of God for truth instead of their opinions. God, I hope and pray today that this won't be an instant thing, that it won't just be in this moment, in this arena that we declare that thing today and then walk out and continue to do the same things. But God, I pray that you renew a mind of Christ in them. Lord, that they would look at the world in a fresh new view, that they wouldn't look at those uh, down the street that's maybe directed to drugs and look upon them with, with disdain, God. But we would open up our hearts and say, God, let me love them like you love them. God, help us to see our hurting and dying community through your eyes. And let us love like never before. Challenge our ways, oh God. Teach us even the hard things, Jesus. We don't want a sugar-coated Christianity. We want the real, true truth of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.